We began a couple of weeks ago talking to you about the life of Samson. We're going to continue that today. So would you take your Bibles or whatever you have the Word of God on and go to the book of Judges in the Old Testament, Judges the 16th chapter. And as you're doing that, let me greet our campuses today. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries. And I'm thankful today that you are gathered wherever Love and Truth Church is that you've gathered with today. And I believe that God has already ministered to you. You've already worshiped Him today. You've already met new people. And we believe that God has a word for you now as we go together into the Word of God. Now, I began a couple of weeks ago talking to you about Samson. Samson is known in the Bible as the strongest man who had ever lived. He is that one who God had enabled from the time of a child, for the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, the Word of God said, and he could do mighty acts, mighty feats, great things he did. But what we found out is that the first week we talked about how special his birth was and how that, that God had chosen him and how that not only though did God choose him, that God chose each and every one of us and that we're special, that God has given us abilities. He's given things into our lives that are special and that if we would understand that the Scripture says that we were created in his image and in his likeness that we could begin to live the way God wants us to. Last week, though, we kind of found out that, that Samson had an issue in his life. And that issue was is that Samson had, had trouble with women. Samson just seemed like uh, in the very uh, first portion that we see his life, uh, he has trouble with women. Uh, then the Bible gives us one verse, and it says, And Samson ruled Israel for 20 years. In other words, for 20 years, he did really good. But then it jumps right out of that, and it says, And Samson saw a prostitute and went and spent the night with her. And I asked you last week, when was that ever a good idea? All right? And then out of that, we find him finding Delilah, and he goes through that whole process. And last week, we, uh, we, we kind of got to it, didn't we? I mean, last week, we talked about compromise. We talked about how that in Samson's life, that when Delilah began to ask him what the source of his strength was, that at first he didn't, he didn't even get close to telling her. He said, oh, if you wrap me in ropes, um, if you put me in bowstrings, if you do. But then all of a sudden, if you remember that God had told his mom and dad, Samson's mom and dad, that here's, here's what you're going to do with Samson. He's going to make a Nazarite vow. That means he's never to touch anything dead. He's never to partake of alcoholic beverages, and he's never to cut his hair. Well, we saw in that story how that, that first of all, he touched a dead thing, he touched a dead lion. Secondly, uh, that he, he went to a party, and they partied hardy for, for at least seven days. And so we know that he was doing what he shouldn't have been doing. But then uh, he begins to come to that, that one thing that God had said, don't mess with. And when he did, we, we found out that compromise does not start huge. Compromise starts small. It starts with those small things. And then God uh, begins to kind of back up and allow us to go further and allow us to go further and further. And we found that in Samson's life, what took place is, is that he finally said, okay, if you just shave my head, uh, I'll be like everybody else. And so uh, every other time that he had said something like that, the Bible says he got up and shook himself and went out and just whipped everybody. And, uh, but in this time, when he got his head shaved, the Scripture says that Samson awoke and he went out as he had before, not knowing that the Spirit of the Lord had departed. I, I want to tell you, that's one of the saddest verses in all the Scripture. 
that Samson is at this place in his life. He has so compromised his relationship with God that he does not even know when he has crossed the line and that God has left him. And, and so we kind of left Samson in a real pickle uh, last week. And so I want to kind of pick up there and, and move a little bit far, further today because today I want to talk about renewing my strength. How do we come back to that place after we fail? Now let me, let me help you. Everybody look up here just for a moment. Let me talk to you. Every one of us fail. Amen. That ought to make you feel better. Everybody fails. Everybody is, is failing at some point. Let me help you with this. Failure is an event, not a person. You need to know that. Too many of us think that we're failures. No, we have failed. We're not failures. If you are God's child this morning, then you are not a failure. You find yourself failing sometimes. And so that's what's happening in Samson's life. Let's look in the 16th chapter, and I want to read verse 21 and verse 22, and then I'm going to jump down a few verses and go to verse 28. Now, here's, here's where we left Samson last week. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza, Binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding grain in the prison, but the hair on his head, verse 22, but the hair on his head began to grow again after he had been shaved. And I told you last week, here's what sin does to you. Sin binds you, sin blinds you, and then sin grinds you. And that's what happens in his life when he finds himself at this moment. But then months go by, possibly even years, that Samson is daily, I mean, he's, he's like a farm animal because all he's doing is they chain him up uh, to a grinding wheel and he pushes that grinding wheel around day after day after day and all he's doing is he's grinding grain and the entire land of the Philistines come by and they make fun of him. There's the guy that used to be the most powerful man in all the world. This is the guy who has driven us back so many times and, and really he goes from being a champion to being a clown. He goes from being that one who everybody reveres and everybody even fears to now even small children are not afraid to make fun of him because now they know that he can do nothing. But the scripture says that one day the Philistines came together and they're having a party. They love to party and so they're having this great gathering and the word of God says that in that moment somebody said, you know what, here's what we ought to do to celebrate this day and to honor our God. Here's what we need to do. We need to bring Samson down and let's make fun of him. So that's what they did. They brought him down, and they begin to make fun of him. And Samson's out there now, and he's blinded, uh, and, and he's stumbling around. And I'm sure that they're doing all kind of things to him in that moment. But, but verse 28, would you look at verse 28? Because here's where we're going to see Samson beginning to move back to where God wants him. It says, Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more. Let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might, and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed more when he died than when he lived. The story there is a story of triumph, but a sad story. It's a story that we see where Samson in the last moments of his life literally defeats more than he has in his entire life. 
But what we find is, is that Samson had to get back to the place where God could use him again. And so that takes place as he's grinding at the mill. As day in and day out, he has time to reflect upon his life. I, I don't know about you, but I may, maybe it's part of just, you know, reaching another milestone, another birthday, another moment in your life. You, you kind of start thinking back about life, and you begin to look back at, at what life has been. And I think that's what's kind of happening in, in Samson's life. And, and what he's doing is, is that uh, he's, he's kind of remembering what God has done. But, but he gets to that place where his strength is renewed. Uh, and, and that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about how that you and I get to that place where we can renew our strength, where we, maybe we fail, maybe we've fallen, maybe we're not living up to what God wants us to at this moment in our life, but can we get back to a place where now we can live the way that God wants us to? Now, here's what I want to challenge you with today. I want you for just a few minutes to kind of allow yourself to look at your life and to say, where am I at this morning? What's going on inside of me? And am I at that place where I am walking in my strength, where I'm staying strong, or have I allowed some things to happen that today I need to get back and I need to renew my strength? I think as Samson is going along and he's doing this day in and day out, I think the first thing that happened was is that he began to remember how good it had been. How many of you know that sometimes when, when you're living life that you kind of have a tendency to forget about what has happened in the past? You, you're kind of just going and you're running. And so Samson had been that way. He, he had been, been running for life. In fact, if you look at Samson's life, here, here's what we find out about Samson. Uh, Samson uh, had a way of straying from where he ought to have been. He, he finds himself in the land of the Philistines time and time again, and God didn't tell him to go there. Number two is, he has an eye for the women. And number three, he has a tendency not to be a man of consistency. And, and yet, there are times in your life, I'm going to say something this morning that some of you may find a little hard to, to, to kind of swallow with your theology, but hear what I'm going to say. There are moments in your life where God will allow the enemy to get you back to the place that you need to be because you haven't done it yourself. So I don't believe that. Well, watch this. Samson, all of a sudden, he is bound. He can't just go anywhere that he wants to go. He has to stay in one place. Number two is he's not going to have to worry about a pretty woman ever again because they're going to put his eyes out, and he's not going to be able to tell if she's pretty or if she's not pretty. How many of you watched Ray Charles' movie a few years back? He, he can feel her wrist all he wants to. All right. Some of y'all are way more spiritual than I am. Ray Charles thought if he could feel a woman's wrist, wrist, he would know whether or not she was pretty. That was the whole thing. I want to tell you, you can feel her wrist and she can be as ugly as sin, you know. And, and Sorry. And, uh, and, and so Samson's never going to have to worry about seeing another woman and being tempted with lust again. And, and number three, he's going to get consistent because they daily are taking him back to this gristmill and he is grinding day after day after day. You say, Pastor, what are you saying? There are moments in your life, if you do not get your life in order, the enemy has a right to come in and he will bring order. But the problem with the enemy's order is it's always destructive. And that's what happened in Samson's life. Yeah, now he's doing all the things. 
But now he's having to do it in a bad place at a bad time in his life. And so he begins to remember. I mean, I'm thinking in our lives, we need to remember when we got saved. I mean, have you, have you been saved so long you've forgotten when you got saved? I, I want to tell you, don't ever forget how you used to be. I mean, I meet some people and it's, it's like they were born with the Holy Ghost from their mother's womb. You know, it's, it's like I've been saved and sanctified and filled with the Spirit. And, and I'm going, yeah, 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 but you used to. Right? The Apostle Paul said, but such were some of you. But now you're saved. Now you're redeemed. And, and so I, I think there's, there's these moments in his life that he's remembering back over his life. And, and I think also uh, that he's thinking about the people who have made a difference in his life. You know what? One of the things that I found out in life is that nobody gets to where you are without some help. We, we, we all have people in our life uh, who have been impactful to us. And, and if you are, are a believer today, there's somebody who witnessed to you. There's somebody who took you to church. There's someone who told you about Jesus. There's somebody who has impacted your life. And as you begin to think about them, it ought to make your heart glad because somebody cared enough about you to let you know about Jesus and what he could do in your life. And then I think he begins to remember the miracles. He remembers when God gave him the ability to pick up the jawbone of a donkey and to literally wipe out a thousand men of war with a jawbone of a donkey. And and he's he's remembering that. But I want to tell you, you know what? You've had miracles in your life as well. There have been things that God has done for you. Sometimes we get so caught up in the stress of the moment that we forget what God has done for us. We forget the miracles. You know what? It's a miracle that you're here today. It really is. We we say, oh, no, no, listen, do you know how much can go wrong with your body like this? I mean, you don't know. You get in your car, somebody, you're driving, and and all of a sudden, I don't know where you're here. Why? Because this is a fallen world in which we live. And yet we're here today, and we're watching today, and and we're we're able to hear the voice of God today. That's a miracle. And so we need to be like Samson. We need to begin to rehearse those things and remember those things again. The second thing that happened in his life to renew his strength was that he learned the importance of consistency. See, he he had not been a person of consistency. Again, there's seasons of consistency, but then he falls out of consistency. Now let me talk to you just a minute. Everybody listen carefully to this. That is one of the hardest things in the world to be, to be consistent, to always be what you need to be, to always act the way you need to act. Anybody ever lose it? Come on. Come on, I'll tell off of myself. Yesterday, I went to a certain restaurant. We'll say where it was. But anyway, I went through the drive-thru, and I'd been to workout, so I looked looked rough. And so that's why I went through the drive-thru. And so I get there, and they said, would you pull up, sir? We're going to bring your drink out. And so I pull up, and I wait. And I wait. And I wait. And then I got tired of waiting. So I got out of my car, and I went in. And I don't know if I really reflected Jesus in that moment. I felt kind of bad after I left. I didn't feel bad enough to go back and apologize, but I felt a little, <laughs> right? Come on. You know what I mean. You say, oh, I shouldn't have done that, but uh, it's okay. And you, 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 I mean, I wasn't, I didn't do it. I just said, but I was probably a little abrupt. And, and, and so it's, it's hard. You know, it's, it's easy at church to be consistent. Hallelujah, brother. <laughs> All right? 
Praise God. I mean, we all, we all can do that at church, but it, it's something else when you're in the drive-thru and they're messing over you, you know, and you're tired already and you don't want to mess with this. And, and, and so th- there's this whole aspect of consistency. And, and I, I begin to think about that. How, how do we stay consistent? What do we need to look at in consistency? One, one is we need to stay consistent in our thought life. Uh, it, it's hard to be victorious when you're always thinking on the wrong stuff. Amen. I just read something recently that said the average American spends over five hours a day involved with media. Now think about that for me. So I don't. Well, I bet you do. Uh, whether it's Facebook or uh, you know you're you're on the phone or or you're watching television or you're you know on YouTube. But but over five hours a day that the average American spends on all these things, and then we wonder why it's so hard to think the right thoughts. Right. I mean, sometimes I don't even want to watch the news, right? I, I'm, I'm sick of hearing it. It, it. It's all a mess as far as I'm concerned. After, you know, you don't matter. it doesn't matter who you watch, CNN, Fox, the ABC, NBC. It's all a mess. And, and if you're not careful, those thoughts begin to take root and begin to take hold. Now, now, the Bible tells us how that we are to take our every thought in the captivity, and then the Word of God tells us about our minds. It says that you are to renew your mind by the washing of the Word. And so you need to understand that you need to be consistent in your thought and in your thoughts. And one of the ways that, that helps you to be consistent in your thoughts is by getting into the Word of God, by reading the Word of God, and continually allowing the Word of God to wash your mind and to purify and to cleanse you. The, the second aspect of consistency is in our conduct. In, in how we live life, in, in how we conduct ourselves. You know, Samson does well for 20 years, but on either side of that 20 years, his conduct is messed up. And so we, we don't remember. In fact, even the Bible just gives you one verse about the 20 years, but it gives you whole chapters about the mess-ups. And, and so in our lives, we have to come there and understand that we've got to be consistent in our thought, consistent in our conduct, and then consistent in our devotion to God. I, I need to live, and you need to live, day in and day out, understanding that I am living for the Lord. The Apostle Paul said, to live is Christ and to die is gain. In our lives, we need to be consistently living out our devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that involves a lot of things that we need to be doing. But first of all, it it just involves a relationship, all right? If you are only serving God out of legalism, okay, If, if 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 this is your understanding of God, and that is, well, if I read five verses, and if I pray for 15 minutes, and if I give in the offering, and if I go to church, and if I don't cuss anybody out, and right and if I don't 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 then I'm a good Christian and yet not understanding that being a good Christian is not about the do's and it's not about the don'ts being a good Christian is about your relationship and that consistent devotion to God Almighty day in and day out of your life the third thing that I think he did and I think that we have to do is that he renewed his vow to God It's interesting that the verse 22 there, that chapter, says, and that his hair began to grow. What that is, now understand, the power of Samson was not in his hair. That was only a sign of the vow that he had made. 
I want to tell you something about vows. First of all is we've all made a vow or two in our lives, whether you realize it or not. In fact, I'll say this to you. When you get saved, you make a vow to God. You know what that is? Lord, I want you to come in today, and I want you to be the Lord of my life. That word Lord means I want you to be in control. I want you to be the master of everything in my life. That's a vow to God. God, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to be obedient to you. We, we've made that vow. Others of us have made a vow to somebody else when we got married. And, and you know what about, here's, here's what's great about vows. Vows give stability to life. Don't miss it. A vow gives stability to life. I, don't, don't raise your hand. Everybody listen carefully. Now, those of you watching, listen. Don't raise your hand. I'm, I'm talking to you, but don't raise your hand right now. How many of you have, never, have ever been in a place where you didn't really feel like being married that day? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Some old boy's about to get in trouble, I can see. He was, he was going, I don't, don't just, all right? I mean, you just didn't feel like being married that day for whatever the reason was. I just don't feel. But you made a vow, and so your vow brought stability. And you said, you know, I don't feel like it, but I'm going to be married. I'm, I'm going I'm to live the way that I need to. The, the, the second thing about vows is that vows remind you of where you're going. I, I was watching Bill Cosby, and, and Cosby is, is one of the He's probably a good preacher if he wanted to be. And, and Cosby was talking about, he said, you know, we, we make it all romantic when we get ready to get married and we ask somebody and we go up to them and we say to them, uh, you know, would you spend the rest of your life with me? And they say, oh, yes, and we think that's all romantic. He said, basically what we're saying is, would you watch me die? <laughs> well, as a thought. You know, but, but what, what the deal is, is that, that a vow reminds you of where you're going. A vow to God reminds me that I'm headed for heaven. That I'm, I'm not for this world. That, that my life is not about what's happening here on earth. That I have a call to a higher place. And so I've made that relationship. I've made that vow. And, and, and I want to tell you, it's essential to your spiritual growth to make some vows to God. And I, but I want to say something to you. Everybody listen carefully. When you make a vow to God, do your best to live up to it. I, I have stood in too many situations with too many people and heard them make vows to God and then not live up to them. A few years ago, I was in a situation where there had been a shooting accident. I was sitting in a hospital in, a, in an ER with, with people, and as, as I'm standing there, I hear this man making a vow to God, saying, God, if you won't let this boy die, I will go to church. I'll serve you. I'll do all this. And, and I'm thinking, man, that's great, God. And, and the, the, the kid lived. He, he didn't die, thankfully. But you know what? I watched that man, and oh, for a few weeks, maybe a month, he came to church. He lived for God, but then all of a sudden, he got every couple of weeks and then once a month, and all of a sudden, I didn't see him anymore. And I wondered, in that moment that you made that vow, you said, God, this is what I'm going to do. But as soon as the pressure was off, you reverted back to what you used to be. I, I want to challenge us today. I want you to listen carefully. Some of you have made some vows to God that you've forgotten. I know I'm digging again like I did last week, but I want you to hear me. You made some, you told God you were going to do some things or you weren't going to do some other things, and now you find yourself not even aware of the vows you've made. 
I challenge you, just like Samson, let your hair grow. Some of you are saying, Pastor, if I could. <laughs> See, I had to lighten it up. Y'all were getting really tense there. All right? So he renewed his vow to God. So it's, it's essential in your spiritual growth to understand that. And, and, and number four is he became dependent on God. See, what I, what I see about Samson is, is that he had forgot that he was dependent on God. He began to think he could do it by himself. In fact, uh, she'd bind him, and he'd get up, break him, go out, and, and he's, man, I can do this, I can handle this. But then all of a sudden, he hits that moment, he hits that wall where he's no longer the strong man that he used to be because now the Spirit of the Lord has left him. See, see the whole issue with, with Samson and his woman problem wasn't really that Samson had a woman problem. Samson had a problem with not understanding that the only place he was ever going to be fulfilled truly was in God. And so he thought he could get this, he thought he could do that, he thought, he thought this would bring satisfaction. Listen to me carefully today. Yes, there is pleasure. There are things that you can bring into your life. In fact, the Bible's quite clear, and it says there's pleasure in sin. The, Bible's, the Bible doesn't hide that, but it says it's for a season. In other words, what used to excite you won't excite you after a week or two or a month or two. What used to fulfill you won't, and now you've got to up it, and now you've got to ramp it up. Why? Because you are trying to fulfill a need in your life with something that is never, ever going to be able to fulfill it. And so Samson had to come back to that place where he was totally dependent on God. See, to be, de to be dependent on God, number one is you have to realize your weakness. Do you know what the Bible says? I'm just asking. You can throw out anything at this point. John 3, 16, a work is not what I'm talking about. Here's what the Bible says. The Word of God says that without Him, you can do nothing. Right? Nothing. That's, I, I, I want to I change that and say without Him, I can't do a lot of things. But it says without Him, you can do nothing. And, and so I have to always remind myself in fact it's one of the things that i do constantly anytime before i stand on a stage anytime before i speak to people i always tell the lord lord if you don't show up today it's going to be a mess seriously lord if, if you if you don't i know that i know who i am i know me better than anybody on this earth and i know lord if you don't enable me today it's it's not going to be a pretty sight and so lord i declare without you i can do nothing but, Father, I also declare with you all things are possible. And so I have to realize my weakness, but then I have to turn to the source of my strength. See, that's what repentance is. When we talk about repentance, we tell people the, the Bible says to repent, and that means to change your mind and change your direction. Well, that's true, but here's what it's really saying. It's saying turn from the source of strength that you've had, which has been the enemy, which has been this world, and now turn to the source of strength, which is God Almighty. And so when we do that, we're, we're learning to leave the old, and now we're focusing on the Lord. And so it's not that I'm living. Listen, uh, I, I can't do it. I listen. I want to tell you, hear me carefully. I'll say it again. Listen to me. I can't live an overcoming life. I tried it. It didn't work. Boy, y'all look at me strange sometimes. 
But once I realized that the Scripture said I could cast all my care upon Him because He cares for me, then I was able to do that, and then His strength became perfect in my weakness. That's what the Bible says. So those weak areas of my life, I just go to Him. Have you ever seen a kid tear up a toy? Come on, you know what I'm talking about? And they come, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, uh, a little small thing or if it's the most intricate thing in the world. And they come to mommy and daddy and they just hold it out. And what they're saying is, fix it, it's broke. You know what? Sometimes we need to take areas of our life and just hold them out to our Father and say, God, fix it. It's broke. I tried. You see what I did. You know what I found through the years is when I try to fix stuff, I always have parts left over. (laughs) Amen? Number five is, he died to himself. Now, we understand in this scripture, in this setting, he, he literally died physically, but we're not talking about that for us. Again, the apostle Paul said, to live is Christ, to die is gain. The word of God talks about taking up your cross daily and following him. And so if, if I really want to renew my strength, I've got to die to who I am. I've got to die to my wants, my desires, because there, there, there are things in me, maybe not you, I'm sure you're more holy than I am, but, but there are things in me that aren't real nice. There, there are things in my life that if I, if I just live the way I wanted to, you wouldn't, I mean, some of you may not anyway, but you wouldn't like me very much. Because I, I, I could be, you know, I just wouldn't be pleasant to be around at any level. And yet, I have to come to that place of, of counting the cost. And that's the first thing you got to do. If I'm going to die to myself, I have to count the cost. And I have to now live for someone else. See, when I'm living for Jesus, all these other things become insignificant. That drink I got yesterday really wasn't that big a deal if I was living for Jesus, was it? (laughs) To die to ourselves means that we have eyes for eternity. I'm looking, the Bible says, unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of my faith. That's what God's called us to do. You say, Pastor, that's wonderful, but how do I live this out? Well, let me give you some real quick things as I close. Number one is seek God daily. Seek God daily, or if you just want to be real brief, right? Prayer. Prayer. Every day. Prayer is not religion. Prayer is not a religious ritual. Prayer is talking to God. Let me help you. When you're in a conversation, don't always talk. That's rude. Prayer is not a monologue. Prayer is a dialogue. So talk, but then be quiet and let God talk. And I promise you, He will. So seek God daily. Number two, stay in the Word. Remember I talked about the Word earlier. Stay in the Bible. Get you a a version of the Bible you can understand. Most of you can't understand King James Version with all the these and the thous and the weatherfores and what ifs. Right? Get a version you can understand. Next, ask for forgiveness and cleansing. You said, I need to, how often ought to do that? Every day. In fact, sometimes I do it several times a day, right? 
Uh, I, and I know there's, there's a teaching going around right now that says we're, un, we're under grace. And because we're under grace, we don't ever need to repent again. I don't believe that. Uh, listen, if, if I've done something against you, you may love me with all your heart, but I need to apologize. I need to ask you to forgive me. You know, I, I, know, I know I'm secure, but, but I, I need to ask for forgiveness. And, and so I, I would encourage you to do that. Keep, keep what I call short accounts with God. Don't, don't let it lag for weeks and months and in the back of your brain. Because let me help you. Some, some of you act like he doesn't know. <laughs> Pardon my grammar right there. You, he's kind of like, if I don't tell him, he won't know I did it. He knows. So just go ahead and get it out. Lord, you saw what I did. The Bible says if we confess our sin, He's just and faithful to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Fourth thing is stay in fellowship. Stay in fellowship with God and stay in fellowship with one another. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Come to the house of God. Get in a small group. Get involved with other people of faith. And lastly, stand firm. Just stand firm. The Bible says when you've done all to stand, stand. Be like that guy in Proverbs. Who the scripture says, the righteous falls seven times, but he gets back up. The story of Samson's life ends with a place of renewed strength, of renewed fellowship, of renewed anointing with God, and being used of God greater in his death than he had been in the entirety of his life. I want to challenge you today not to die in the natural, but to die to your desires, to your ways, so that you can do more in the next few years than you've ever done in your past for God. I believe with all of my heart that if we stay strong and keep walking and keep believing and keep trusting, that we can see the greatness of God lived out for each and every one of us. Amen?